0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises off. LinkedIn News.
1: What if you could never fail? What if failure was a made up word? what if failure was something that we tell ourselves so that we can give up what if failure is only this thing that we tell ourselves so that when we don't meet the expected goal and we fail we say ah we failed and now i can give up if failure didn't exist then we would just keep trying over and over and over again what if failure is a made up word what if failure doesn't really
0: Hey everyone, from LinkedIn News, this is In the Arena, a podcast exploring human potential. I'm Leah Smart, and every week you'll find me right here in conversation with bright minds and brave hearts, learning how we can improve our lives and our world by transforming ourselves. All right, y'all. So, you know when you see an amazing movie and you are so excited for your friends to go see it? Like, you just cannot wait. That's how I feel about this conversation with Tunde Oyanayan. I am a latecomer to Peloton, so I got to the party late last year. But I had already heard that Tunde was the instructor to take a class with. And from my first ride, I was hooked. I woke up and rode with Tunde most mornings for about four months in a row. And I started to figure out why I kept coming back and my other people did too. It's because you don't leave a Toonday ride without feeling fired up and purposeful. And then I heard her story, and it spoke to me in a real way. Day is authentic, relatable, and deeply inspiring. And for me, it's easy to differentiate between someone peddling temporary pop happiness and someone who embodies the full spectrum of what it means to show up as a human with all of our joys and our struggles. Plus, she's asking the kinds of questions I love, like her opening one. What if failure didn't exist? Here's Day.
1: What works best for me is... Being me, you know. Everybody else is playing the role of everybody else that already exists. The only role that I can play, and the role that I play best, is myself. I think that the difficult part is being okay with self, Mm -hmm. and then pushing self forward. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I I try to share that and speak from my experiences.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it resonates. Like you know it when you know it. For someone who's also been through a lot of things, I can see. someone who truly knows what it's like to go through hard things. And that's what makes makes you so magnetic. And I know there's going to be a million questions that, you know, people probably ask you all the time. Right. Like, you know, the like, what keeps you motivated? What's your morning routine? I've heard you answer a lot of those questions. But something that I want to understand and help other people understand, which is this moment after your first spin class at Spin place that will not be named. <laughs> That's like that. You walk out. You're like, I totally. I live in New York too, so I was in. I'm in the city streets with you, you. Felt it, and I'm like, I know that moment. But you walked out, and you had this like moment of premonition. And you also talk about in the book of like these are decision points, right? So there's a point that you can either decide to look or you can keep moving. Can you just flesh that out for for us? What was that like? Yeah. In
1: short. Uh, I was a makeup artist for 15 years. I'd worked my butt off. I was living my dream job. I loved it until I hated it. There was a million people in line that would have killed to have yeah. the opportunity that, that I had. And I was in a space where I didn't even want to admit to myself that I hated my job because I felt ungrateful. And so, like I said, I, I was in LA at the time. I was in New York on a work gig. And I wanted to go down and work out in the hotel. I got down to the hotel gym. There was a hula hoop and a broken treadmill. So I realized that that wasn't going to serve any purpose. So we I. We don't name
0: she- that hotel either.
1: We won't- <laughs> <laughs> the good people of life. <laughs> so I decided that no good is going to come of that workout. I've been hearing Kelly Rippa talk about how there was this studio that she was going to. She loved. Mind you, I would never been to a cycling studio ever, ever, ever. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, see what all the hype was about. So I went, paid way too much money to be there. That's what I thought, you know, that's how I felt. Clipped in, water bottle towel, 40 bucks deep, sitting there thinking to myself, my God, what have I just done? If I walk out and ask for a refund, will anybody notice? Is it too late? Uh, so I, I, I'm too embarrassed to leave. So I sit and I stick it through. Three minutes into the ride, I'm in a state of euphoria. I unclip from the bike, I'm walking out of the studio, headed back to the hotel. And I noticed that my walk has turned into a skip. And then my skip has turned into like this kind of like hop gallop thing. And I'm laughing and I'm crying at the same time. And in a matter of seconds, I felt this blue wave of energy move from my toes to my fingertips. In a matter of five seconds, it was like I saw my life's trajectory pass before me. It was almost as if somebody whispered and said, hey, come here, and (laughs) showed me what was going to happen. And I want to reiterate, this was my very first cycling class. After my first cycling class, I knew that I'd be cycling forever. Not only did I know that I would be cycling forever, I knew that I'd be teaching it. And not only did I know that I'd be teaching it, Leah, I also knew that I would be teaching it on the world's biggest platform and that I would be able to interface, connect with millions of people. I didn't even know what Peloton was. My vision, however, was certain. And so I get back to LA, imposter syndrome sets in. I, I don't look like an instructor. How would I motivate people? All of that said, in. I tell the story about me being in a space where I hated my job to say that I was so uncertain during that time. There was so much doubt during that time. I think that the beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. When you think you know what's next, you're only looking for opportunities that are in line with the plan. My plan in that moment was I didn't have a plan. And when this blue light, this experience came, I was open to receiving it. Had I not been in the space of uncertainty and doubt, I would have just said, girl, it was a daydream. Girl, you dehydrated. <laughs> this is a hallucination day. But rather, I believed what I saw. It was a gut thing. It was an intuition thing. Doubt does not feel good. Doubt is so freaking scary. It feels horrible. The beauty in doubt is if you are able to surrender to it, you realize that it was your body trying to signal a course correction. When doubt enters, whether it's a relationship that you're in that you're doubting, a romantic relationship. Maybe it's a job, like where I was, that I was doubting. Maybe it's a friendship, a soul-sucking friendship that you are doubting. When doubt enters, it's the body's way of saying, shift is in order. It's time. So doubt was there. I trusted my gut. It got me from where I was. To exactly where i wanted to be this moment
0: you know what i think is so good about you sharing your story and and the way that you added in doubt and you continue to talk about uncertainty is i think and i used to make this up that like when you would have that gut experience it's like okay you trust your gut and then you live happily ever after and what i quickly learned was like no you live more meaningfully ever after, right? You live more purposefully ever after, but you're not necessarily on some journey that will never have a challenge, a road bump, a like get off this path, get on a new one, painful moments. It's not really about that. And so uh, you talk about your gut being an internal compass, which is how I think about it too. It's like, it's only guiding me in the direction. It's not telling me the ending.
1: Yeah, I think that... When people think about success, they think it's this linear line, It's a line that goes straight up, 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 you win, and then you keep winning, and then you keep winning, and everything's happening, and it's great, and then you hit the top. I have a, the truth is, as we all know and experience is that there are dips, there are valleys, there are highs, and there are lows. My belief is that everything that is happening is happening for me. Nothing's happening to me. When things are not going my way, they're actually going my way. It's this belief of it's all happening in my favor. For you. For me, for you,
0: for us. What are the moments when you haven't trusted your gut?
1: I don't know that I can recall a a moment right now, but I know how it's made me feel. Hmm. I know that when I don't trust my gut, it's those moments where you're like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have. I mean, something as basic as, I knew I should not have wore that color on camera. And then I see my classmates. and like, that, I I did that green was boring on me. Right. Just forest green does nothing for me. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, those just the moments where you're like, I knew I shouldn't have, or you go out that night and something in you is telling you not to go out. Th- those are the nights that I like lost my phone or my wallet or something or It's that little, little inner voice. You know, in the book, I refer to it as as the drum, this Mm -hmm. drumbeat that I follow, this pulse that I follow. It's intuition. It's the universe. We all have that thing. We just learn to get really, really good at silencing the inner voice that steers us. We allow fear to steer. Our inner Mm -hmm. voice is intended, It's a compass, it's there to steer us. But somewhere between then and now in our lives, then being childhood and now adulting, we get really, really, really good at quieting that voice. I think that a life well lived is a life that is lived in purpose, on purpose, and of great purpose. I define power as the ability to connect to things that make you feel alive. When you're doing that thing that you do, that sets your whole body into motion when you feel that tingly thing. Leah, maybe for you, it's when you're in this podcast seat with the mic and the headphones and you feel so connected to your energy, that inner thing. I think that's what power is. And so I speak to that as the drum. When I feel most alive, it's the moments when I'm walking towards the drum beat. Even if I shake, As I walk to find it, it's the moments where I'm walking towards the drum beat.
0: I can remember when I first started connecting to my own intuition and then I would ask people about it and I realized like my language isn't their language. And so what's their language? Like, how do I help them identify their drum or like the hunch or, you know, their intuition or just the feeling that you get or that small, quiet voice and so I love that you offer this concept of the drum because it's yours. And you're illuminating this part in the book that was like, I mean, this I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. Um, you said, here's the thing about your calling. It doesn't come with instructions. So mm-hmm. it's like getting into a car with a destination but no map. And essentially you say, just start driving. And I was like, oh, that's exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, just move, just go. And I want to touch on something you just said, Leah, saying like how do you – find the space to help someone else navigate towards the drumbeat. I think that when we show up as ourselves, Mm -hmm. it gives license to someone else to show up as as their selves. And when they Mm -hmm. show up as their self, you can hear the drumbeat. It rings louder. I think that authenticity is the intersection of truth and trust. When you trust yourself enough Mm -hmm. to show up in your truth, as your truth, Mm -hmm. other people see that. And that gives them license to do the same. And again, when they do the same, they connect to that hum. And then once you connect, baby, get in the car and just drive. Where am I going? I don't know, but the wind feels good in my hair. I don't even have hair. I don't even have hair. It's growing a little bit. It's growing a little bit.
0: (laughs) Okay, so your book is called Speak, and I think your Instagram live series inspired that name. Can you tell me more about that? Because I want to hear what the acronym is. I want everybody else to know. And I need to understand this story.
1: You know, everything you do in life informs the next. You know, I, I led a ride at Peloton called Speak. It was just after the murder of George Floyd. The world was in a pause. We were in a standstill. We were aching, we still continue to ache. We were heavy and deep in our ache. And Peloton asked me if I would lead a ride of solidarity. And in that moment I said yes, not knowing what it would be, what it would mean. And ultimately 22,000 people tuned in to take that ride live. For context, when JLo goes and sells out Madison Square Garden here in New York, it holds, I think, roughly 21,000 people.
0: So there was a J-Lo You were J-Lo that day.
1: <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't to say that it was J-Lo, but to say that 22,000 people aligned in solidarity to come together in that moment. I think of it as a really, really, really massive protest that we all attended together. And so much came out of that ride. I mean, there were people, white men that DM'd me and said, I didn't want to take that ride. My wife made me watch it. I found the term Black Lives Matter offensive. And now I get it. I'm with you, Black Lives Matter. There were women, white women who said that they had never taken my class. They'd scrolled past my face every day because I looked different from them. And because I looked different, we wouldn't have anything in common. And so they didn't take my class. And I honored them for for acknowledging that and admitting that and saying it out loud, posting it on their page because the comments weren't nice. I appreciated it because it's that type of growth, that type of honesty and vulnerability that we need to get out of this. And so my question back to those women who were brave enough to step up and say that was, if you don't invest 20 minutes in me, 20 minutes in me, in a cycling class, why would you, if you're then the hiring manager, why would you then invest two years or 20 years? in a future candidate. Mm-hmm. Recognize that bias, recognize it, see it, call it what it is, name it so that you can change it, name mm-hmm. it. So I say that, you know, in life, one thing informs the next. And so many people think that Speak came out of that ride. Speak was something I actually created before I had started at Peloton, but I knew that I wanted to use this platform as an opportunity to create this movement that hopefully impact people, touch people, and result in change. SPEAK stands for surrender, power, empathy, authenticity, and knowledge. And so when I looked for people to have on the, the Instagram series, I looked for people that exuded those elements, the ability to surrender, people that own their power, people who led with empathy, people who were authentic and then had all of the knowledge and all of the experiences to back it. from. That, when I sat down to write my memoir, which... In third grade, I said I'd, I'd write a book. I didn't even have the story or the experiences yet, but I knew but you that I would. I knew. <laughs> yeah. I knew. We always know. We all know it's that intuition thing. And so, years and years and years of telling yourself, you can't, you're not worthy, you don't know where to put the comma or the period, all the things you tell yourself, I had to unpack all of that, unpack all of those lies that I told myself on repeat, all of the lies that were holding myself hostage. So, once that unpacking, happened. I sat down and I was thinking about the book and I thought about those five words as elements in my life. I realized that when I surrendered, it always results in change. I realized that when I discovered my power, again, that drumbeat, living in purpose, on purpose, of purpose. When I discovered how to tap into that, I found myself. I realized that when I could practice empathy with myself, it enabled me to practice it with other people and then all of the knowledge and all of these experiences to back it. And so I knew that the book had to be speak, the title of the book, speak, find your voice, trust your gut and get from where you are to where you want to be. Uh, mm. Each experience informed the next that's life.
0: All right. We're going to take a short break, but let me just repeat what Day said. The beauty of uncertainty is when you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything is possible. When we get back, Tunde talks about not getting her dream job at Peloton. Yes, there was a plot twist. And why she believes everything happens exactly when it's supposed to happen. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Beret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe
1: to my podcast, Building One.
0: We're back with my guest, new author and beloved Peloton instructor, Tunde Oyunayan. You know, I wanted to ask you about this because... My therapist always has to be a black woman. And she's this amazing black woman from LA. And one thing she said to me probably four months ago when I was sort of like on the edge, like I was not doing super well. I was, there's so many things going on in my personal life and professional life. And I've always felt like I've been at the intersection of like celebration and grief. There's always been something to celebrate. And then like there also is the company of grief, loss, pain. And she said to me, how have you thought about the black strong woman trope? And I, I honestly hadn't. And so I started doing this dive into like, you know, Olivia Pope and the roles Viola Davis has played. And like, I've seen it. I've been in it. But I hadn't taken a step to step back and say, what could it mean for my experience? Um, and I think there's this thing that happens as you start to do more of this work on yourself and follow the drumbeat and you start collecting community, right, people start being drawn to you because they can feel it. But I also think at the same time, there's this this experience that can happen for Black women where, you know, as we get to this point, people assume that, like, we can deal with anything, right, And, and that we're almost superhuman. And I'm curious if you've, like, thought about that or experienced it. It was something that that I almost ignored, because I was like, no, I can keep going until I went, wait a minute, I need to stop.
1: Mm. I mean, people tell me all the time, not just physically, but mentally. They say, you're so strong, you're so strong, you're so strong, you're so strong. And then I think, am I? Do
0: you know that for (laughs) certain?
1: Right. Do you know that for certain? So yeah, this expectation of of being a strong black woman. I'll open that up and say women in general,
0: you know? Mm
1: -hmm. I guess I think it's a blessing and a curse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it's a blessing and it's a curse because it's like I saw this t-shirt the other day that said no I think a friend said this and I <laughs> told her she should put it on a t-shirt
0: you put it on a t-shirt for her right? <laughs> okay I've started
1: now she's going to be very mad I, I stole her idea but it was like in crisis call a black woman
0: um mm. because
1: there's this like innate ability to rise
0: yeah well I mean here's the thing I I really relate to your story I'm not a first generation African American or Black American, but. So much of what you said felt like experiences I've had going to school and being the only black girl or like one of few black girls, but also feeling like I belonged everywhere and nowhere. And I mentioned the black strong woman trope because oftentimes when we don't get to write our stories, we don't get to flesh out what it looks like to be a whole, holistic, complex human And all the things that come with our identities. And so I think you do an amazing job. And I just, I did your Beyonce ride this morning because I was like, let me get in the zone. (laughs) But you talked about the line in the sand and like how divided the world is and how you want to make an impact on both sides. And whatever those sides may be, what I got from that is, in part, being a Black woman allows us to actually take perspective on so much. But we also can cross a lot of different lines and show up in places where we can be really impactful. And so I just see, I see you as someone who can do that. And so I'm, I think there's some serious power behind the fact that you can show up in that way and that you are you, but also that you are human.
1: Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I went to a predominantly white school growing up. I am first generation Nigerian. My parents. Moved to the United States before I was born with the hope of creating a better life for their children. They wanted to live the American dream. That said, you know, I grew up in little Nigeria in my household. Like I, would, I was in America, but it felt like little Nigeria at home because that's the way I was raised. um that I went to school with mostly white people. And then when I got to college, I met black people. And so, yeah, it was almost like this. These three worlds that I was living in so much so that if all my childhood friends get together, it looks like the UN because of so many different types Same. of people, yeah. right? And so I pride myself on being a bridge of cultures of people. We are all, people are different. Knowing that, I celebrate our difference. I honor and recognize our difference. I think that we are also incredibly alike we all want the same love and joy we're all the same people we just move about life differently I created an Instagram live series a moment ago you were speaking to black women and this like idea of okay well now she's good like everything's good now though right and it's like um no I still see the sh- and so, you know, I created this platform because I wanted people to be able to hear the stories. Um, Venus Williams was one of my first guests and she spoke to showing up at Wimbledon for the first time. and The hate and the racism she experienced and she talked about, you know, how those experiences have followed her even now. Uh, she's a loud advocate Mm -hmm. to close the wage gap between Mm -hmm. men and women. I had on Cynthia Erivo who spoke to, by the way, I have to say Cynthia Erivo is one of the most talented musicians of all time. Actresses of all time. And she talked about, you know, when she was moving through the theater world, there were only so many roles that she could play because there were only so many Black stories being told. It's getting better, yes, but it's still so true now. There's so many stories of Black pain, but we don't often tell the stories, not only of Black joy and resilience, but we often don't tell just the normal Black Stories. There was no pain. There was no nothing to fight. That you know they ended up winning. Just the story of a black girl <laughs> just doing her do thing. School, <laughs> just doing her thing, going to school and going to work on a Tuesday. The same way that we tell white stories of people waking up and going to school and going to work on a Tuesday. Uh, again, it's getting better. Um, but there's still there's still progress to be made. Um and so yes, yeah, so I created this Instagram live series because I wanted to create a space for people to come
0: and tell these stories. So I'm wondering. You knew in third grade you were going to write this book. You had no idea what it was going to be about. Now the book is written. What do you know about life now? It's
1: all always happening. It's all always happening. You just step back to finally see it. That's what I know about life. The truth will reveal itself when you are ready to see it. The truth Mm -hmm. will reveal itself when you are ready to see it. Things happen and they don't go your way. And then three years later, you step back and you look at the big picture and you say, thank God that didn't (laughs) go my way. And then you realize it not going your way was actually going your way. I auditioned for Peloton. Cody Rigsby dropped a line in my DMs, told me to come audition. I went, I auditioned. He told me my audition was perfect. I left there. I floated, said I got this job. Mind you, I had that vision, right? That I was supposed to be doing this. And then soon after that vision happened, here Peloton is asking me to audition. I auditioned. I didn't get the job. After not getting that job, it wasn't just like, oh, you didn't get the job. You weren't good enough. It was your premonition, this vision that you had, this thing that you were most certain about, the most certain you've ever been about any one thing in your life. It was wrong. You saw it wrong. So it felt almost like a loss in my life. I lost my little brother when he was 19 years old. Three years after I lost my little brother, I lost my dad. And three years after that, I lost my mom, I lost half of my family members in a matter of six years. This felt like another loss, that heavy. And so I went through a period of just darkness, darkness. And then I found my way out, I found light. I came back to that idea, everything that's happening. It's not happening to me. It's all happening for me. I chanted that. I repeated that. And I laughed one day. I was on a hike with my friend Jade and we started laughing. And we laughed because we said, she said, Tune day, if there's anything that I know about your life, everything works out for you. And so we laughed and we said, Ha, if it wasn't Pelotonable, the damn, baby, what's going to be better than that? Like, <laughs> what something's <is> it? coming. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, eight months later, they called me back. They asked me if I'd be interested in coming back to New York to audition again. And I didn't skip a beat. I said, yes. Two weeks later, I lived in New York and I worked for the greatest connected fitness company globally. Um, I was not supposed to get that job the first time around. I will repeat for anyone who says, well, they didn't hire her. I was not supposed to get that job the first time around when I sit and I really look at it. I would not be in the space that I am in now if I had started sooner. I needed to start exactly
0: when I did. It was divine timing. What did you do in the moment that you're like, I didn't get the job, though? Um, I had my pity party. It took a
1: week. <laughs> I did.
0: Look, yeah, I we all do a
1: lot about surrendering and having the ability to let go the beauty of uncertainty it's infinite possibility um let go of control right yes that happened but first i had my pity party mm-hmm. i allowed myself to feel it oh you have to feel it it's yeah. everybody has their process now with that being said i don't allow myself to stay there too long because then it just moves into this state of depression and
0: like yeah, I was going to say, did somebody call you and
1: say, all right, yeah. you're done?
0: <laughs> no, I have
1: really, 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 really good people around me.
0: Yeah. In that
1: moment, Jade was one of them. The, that hike we went on that day, that that mm-hmm. aha hike. Um, Robin Arzan, my teammate, says, you've made it through 100% of your bad days. The day that I got the email that I didn't get the job, that was a bad day. Mm-hmm. And, and data... Has shown me in life that I make it through bad days. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I'd
0: be okay. Number one, let's just pause on that. Data shows me that I've made it through hard days, right? Mm -hmm. So I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Your story to me, your book, um, where I'm finding you now, is the process of a woman becoming. Like, I really do believe. I'm stealing from Michelle Obama. We are all becoming, right? Um, So- you know, I'm finding you today as myself, a podcast host. I'm finding you as a Peloton instructor in this vein of if not happily ever after, then what? Who are you becoming? What does it look like for you to continue to become?
1: I don't know. Hmm. And I'm so good with that. Going back to data, data proves that when I don't know what's next, anything is next. <laughs> and I'm open to. What's next? I know this for certain. I know that my life's mission is to speak. Mm -hmm. I know that I enjoy gifting people with confidence. I used to say that I want to be the next Oprah. I don't (laughs) say that anymore. God bless the queen.
0: I don't say that anymore. (laughs) I mean, that's a thing to say. I'm I'm with that.
1: (laughs) Now I say, I want to be the first June day. Um, All of that to say, uh, you know, I'm passionate about helping people I would love to one day host a show. That I use Oprah as the example because I think what the Oprah Winfrey show did is move people into the best version of themselves. My hope is that that's what happens after reading the book. That you, the reader, takes my experiences, my stories of loss and joy and triumph and missed opportunities and resilience. They take that and it moves them to turn a page and start to write the next chapter in their lives. Um, And anything that I do beyond this point, again, I don't know what's coming. I'm open to what's coming, excited for what's coming. Um, What I do know is that it will be a source of connectivity and good Mm -hmm. for all people.
0: Well, I want you to know you're already doing that. The book is another way to do it, but it's already done. It's already been brought in. It's already been brought in. All right, Tunde, before we go, I'm going to have you answer these three big questions. Better humans are? Humans that go at it together. Better work is? Work that fuels the soul. And a better world has?
1: A better world has included...
0: Everybody. That was Tunde Oyenean, Peloton instructor and author of the new memoir *Speak*: Find Your Voice, Trust Your Gut, and Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. I absolutely adored her already, and I loved our conversation. If you can get in a ride with her ASAP, so you can see what a gift she is. And one big thing before we go: the drumbeat. Your inner guidance, the voice, whatever you call it, you have it. We were just taught that our brains are more reliable than that voice. But from experience and many stories that defy logic, I don't think that's always true. Every single time I've listened to my inner guidance and combined it with my mind, things seem to just come together. But the important lesson isn't just the magic of finally listening to the drumbeat. It's the understanding that just because you follow it doesn't mean life will be happily ever after. You'll stop trusting that drum if you think that's the point. Following the drumbeat means you're going in the direction of what's best for you and your growth. And if we're all honest with ourselves, that's really what life is about. Growing, learning, and loving. If today's episode resonated with you, leave us a rating before you go. And even more helpful, write a quick review. It helps other listeners like you find the show and grow with our community. You can always find me on LinkedIn writing about human potential. Send me a message, I'd love to hear from you. In the Arena is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Eriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Dan Roth is the editor in chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Leah Smart. Thanks so much for coming on the journey with me, and I'll see you next week.